what inspires you? Who inspires you? Inspiration, you know, is actually, it's a bit like comedy. Um, Stand-up comedians are so jealous of preachers. This is real. They're so, if, if someone who's trying to make it in comedy comes and hears me crack a half of a super dumb joke and people lose their minds, they're like, what I wouldn't give for that to happen at the club, right? What's the difference? Well, when people come into the comedy club, they're expecting to laugh. Crack some jokes, funny man. It's your joke. I paid, it's your job. I paid good money for this, right? They have that expectation. I wonder if you've noticed, if you're into comedy, whether it's sitcoms, movies, or going to shows, how often it happens for you that you can sit, uh, you know, sit on the couch watching something that's supposedly very funny that you think is very funny, and your fa- you don't even move a muscle in your face. You sit stone-faced. At church, we have a similar problem with inspiration. Right or wrong, American Christians come to a worship service expecting to be inspired. And and in Philippians 2, you can feel Paul like pulling at the calluses of the believers in Philippi. If you have any encouragement, any love, any comfort, any fellowship, find it, grab hold of it, lean into it. Respond to it. When we come looking for inspiration, the truth is a lot of the best inspiration sneaks in through a side door. A few years ago, I was blindsided by inspiration. I probably shouldn't have been that shocked by the nature of it, but I was blindsided by the the documentary about the life of Fred Rogers. If you haven't seen it, you know, go see it, rent it, go see this documentary. It has clip after clip of this man um, honoring people in such a genuine way. Kids, adults, disenfranchised, everyone. After I watched it, I came home and I saw my kids in a new light. I mean, I lo- they're amazing. I love them. They're beautiful. And I was motivated over and above the top to hear them and see how interesting and unique they were. Since um, Fred was a a Presbyterian minister, I'd like to assume that Fred's uh, faith in Christ helped to form his character. He chose humility, he rejected special effects and all kinds of marketing money, and he blessed millions. There are plenty of other examples. Uh, For me, this year, my more recent inspiration example is Ted Lasso, fictional character in the show by the same name. It's, it's a show about soccer, so Trinity, I'm just hoping you're into it because it's about right. soccer. Thank you. All right. So Ted is an American football coach who's been hired by an English pro soccer team, even though he has really no knowledge of the sport. But his unflappable optimism 
in the face of constant humiliation, his diligent efforts to help everyone around him be the best version of themselves. It transcends wins and losses and all the other drama in the show. It transforms the characters around him and it transforms the watchers. So I got all excited about Ted and I wanted to talk to my kids about them. So a few weeks ago at dinner, um, I set up the question, hey, what fictional character from stories or movies or whatever inspires you? Well, as you can see, I have three daughters, and they dominated the conversation. And so we settled out of that conversation on two Disney princesses, Mulan and Belle from Beauty and the Beast. And as we were talking about it, it occurred to me, our souls are like sponges that just soak up that gospel water wherever we find it. Think about the story of these two. Mulan, in the movie called Mulan, <laughs> Uh, her, her father, who's elderly and, and weak, is called to serve in the army in, in a battle in which he will surely die. He won't survive. And so Mulan disguises herself as a male soldier and enters into the war. Belle, her father, goes off and plucks a rose at the beast's castle. And the beast throws her in prison, and Belle goes to rescue her dad. And how does she rescue him? She takes his place in prison. And he's set free. Uh, that's, that's the story our hearts long for. Jesus' story starts when human beings created in God's image are imprisoned by sin and death and too weak, too frail to fight it. And he takes on our flesh, our dust, offering himself in our place. What happens as a result? Well, the second half of the song in our passage, you know, therefore God has highly exalted him at the mention of the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He takes on God's image, empties himself in some mysterious way of God's power so he's dependent on the Spirit just like us. And he shows us what humanity is meant to be. So why is it that Fred Rogers could inspire me more easily than Jesus? I wonder if it's because I felt like what Fred does is possible. You know, be kind to people. Jesus is calming the storm with a word. He's giving sight to the blind with a touch. How, how do you do that? But I shouldn't kid myself, and neither should you. Um, the character of Fred, it fades. Th this may not be your journey, but my desire to treat people with that kind of honor, that kind of humility, that kind of love, it can imperceptibly shift to my desire to be known as someone who treats people with that kind of honor and that kind of love. Do you see how subtle and easy that is? After all, that sort of, that way of putting others' interests ahead of your own, it is straight up praiseworthy. It is glorious. It's worth celebrating. And so my heart wants to go for the glory and not for the love. Maybe that reputation will grow my church. 
(laughs) As soon as I shift from serving someone for their good and the glory of God and begin to serve someone for my good, the joy just drops right out of it. Every time, I can't learn the lesson. The glory fades. The good that we start with turns in on itself because our hearts want the shortcut to glory. We know it's self-destructive. We know that glory is false and even unfulfilling if we get it. And yet here we are. Americans, our entire economy depends on our desire for that glory. Of course, Paul has to call it out plainly. To remain ready to be inspired by Christ, we must constantly reject the unholy trinity of pride. That is selfish ambition, vanity, and self-interest. Here is your lifelong Lenten fast. Whatever you choose to lay aside in this season, you guys, whatever it is, if you're going to do a fast, let it be a reminder to you that the Lenten way of Jesus is to lay down his life for his friends. He sets his face toward Jerusalem, knowing he will be betrayed, abandoned, falsely accused, beaten, and executed for you. So let us unite around his mind, his heart, his spirit, his purpose. And when we do, Lent will actually become a season of comfort and joy and glory. Lent is not about avoiding glory. No way. It's about pursuing the glory of Christ with all our might, following the pathway of Christ to do it. Christians, Lent and the whole Christian life is about laying down our lives for others, seeking not our own interests, but the interests of others, and therefore discovering the only true glory there is. This applies all over the place. It applies to marriage. A marriage can only thrive when both people say, I'm the problem and I'm committed to serving you. This applies to work. You know who the best person to work with is? It's the person who takes the blame and gives the credit all day, every day. Something goes wrong, they say, oh, yep, here's the ways I dropped the ball, sorry. Something goes right, they say, great job, you guys, you did all that, that was all you. That's a, it doesn't matter what their title is. That person is the leader at work. When we refuse to unite around the mind, love, spirit, and purpose of Christ, it is the human equivalent to Jesus refusing to incarnate, to take on our flesh, to take on our dust. So instead, let's take on the attitude of Christ who entered into the flesh, and we do that by going outside of ourselves. For the sake of others, we lay down our selfish rivalries, our vain conceit, which means empty glory, and our self interests. If ever there was a season that exposed our rivalries, our conceit, and our self interest, it's Lent. It's the season we're starting. But Lent doesn't merely expose, Lent inspires. The Lent of Christ inspires because in Lent we remember that he fills us with the breath of God. In a couple minutes, you're going to line up here and get your faces dirty. 
like this. Pay attention when that happens to the words you hear. We'll say, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is an acknowledgement of your utter dependence. We are nothing but dirt without the breath of God in us. And if you are intrigued or pricked in any way by the call to renounce self-centeredness and give yourself away for the benefit of others, well, then Christ is breathing that in you and breathing on you. So come all the way. Put your hope and trust in him anew. Respond to the Spirit's urging in you. This is not a call to a season of dour discipline and self-flagellation. This is a call to joy, joyful self-giving. Don't forget where Paul started, with the encouragement and joy and wonder that is found in the gospel. If that has activated or inspired you at all, you can dive into it. Renounce your reputation, build others up, renounce competition, and unite with others. Yeah, in a manner of speaking, you were, you are, and you will be dust. But God has animated that dust with an immortal splendor. That's also you. You've incarnated the dust, and now you know why. To do what Jesus did, the way he did it. In him, you know how dust can reach its full potential when it cares not for its own, but serves and serves and serves. The motivation and the energy, they come from God. He gives us the effort. He gives us the desire. He is the breath. And the very moment we see ourselves as dust, we see the wonder of the living God with new eyes. Okay, so if you're still not following me, or if you need to understand this in a new way, let me offer a different inspiration through the side door here. Consider a tree. I have a big, beautiful honey locust in my backyard. It's dying, but that's not part of the illustration. If you pull a pod off of that tree when it's, in, when it's putting out seed, you'll crack it open and find the seeds are these tiny things, like tiny, smaller than black beans, tiny little seeds. Every tree starts there, but my tree is like 40 feet tall and has a 30-foot canopy. Where did all that stuff come from? Well, that's dust, people. That's dust. That seed fell in the ground 50 or so years ago and began converting sunlight and water and dirt into honey locust. It was, is, and ever will be dust. But what dust? Well, you too are dirt, sunlight, water. Dust you are and dust you shall be. Yet there is a considerable difference between you and my tree. Surprise. <laughs> you are made for a glory that my tree will never achieve. A honey locust cannot willingly give itself away, no matter how many times you've read the giving tree. It simply defends and reproduces itself. But you, you can. 
That's your potential for glory. You are unlike any other plant or animal on earth in your capacity to risk your well-being for the sake of others. And the more you do that, the greater you'll be and the less you'll care. I need to hear that. Jesus emptied himself of the equality with God that he could have clung to. He could have clung to it. And then he, after that, he lived the single most remarkable human life in human history, full stop. Remember, he spoke and a storm stopped. He, he broke a few loaves and fish and it fed thousands. He gave sight to the blind. He touched lepers and they were cleansed. That's what a fully dependent on the Spirit of God, the breath of God life looks like. That's the image of God, friends. He feasted with sinners like us. His death defeated sin and death, and it continues to break its power 2,000 years later, never stopping. So if you have any encouragement in Christ, Make all of our joy complete by uniting in heart, mind, spirit, and purpose to his glory, your good, and the salvation of the world. It's a good reason to get your face dirty. Let's pray. Father, humble us all the way so that we can receive your breath the energy, the motivation, the breath of God that comes from you. Animate the dust of Trinity in Littleton Christian Church for the glory of Christ. Amen.